0: It's lovely to see a few new faces. I mean to say there's a couple over the back here in the second row, very strange faces. You look as though you've come from Indonesia recently, is that right? And I think I might have a word of prophecy, is your name David? (laughs) (laughs) And is that beautiful lady beside you, Errol? (laughs) Welcome back guys. It's been a while, hasn't it? Lovely to see you. Hope you're settling into um, our cooler Melbourne. Yes. We'll look forward to catching up with you late, later. And there's a few other new faces with us today. And I just want to also add to Jim's welcome. Lovely to have you with us. Um, I'm sorry, I don't think I know your face, but welcome. Welcome, lovely to have you with us. My name is Bruce. Sorry. Miali. Ah. Very good. Is that right? Good. And we've got Jaja. Is that right? Welcome from China and from Hebei province, which is, can be very cold in winter. Very cold. Uh, minus 20, minus 30 degrees. Minus 10, oh, that's just like in Xi'an, oh, all right, okay. <laughs> we'll look forward to catching up with you a little bit later. And um, anyone else who's first time here today? Oh? No? Okay, well, lovely to have you with us. Now, Cheryl, you've got something you want to add a little bit about next Saturday. Would you like to come and just share with us, please?
1: And... What we are. Remember what we are. And so I just want to encourage you next Saturday morning, we are here in our worship sanctuary from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. over a six hour period. Come and enjoy a time of prayer to remember what we are and what we will become there will be many people here facilitating and working through with you the areas within our church environment our church family our activities our future and they are going to be working with you through that time for you to be informed encouraged and pray for the future and pray with them to encourage them in the areas that they are working with. I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be a wonderful time of sharing together. I haven't got a sign-up form. I'm just expectant that I'm going to have this number of people here next Saturday morning. But I have one lady who is not hoping to be washing this many mugs at morning tea, So can I suggest you bring your cups with you next Saturday morning for morning tea time so that we can uh, have morning tea and the lady who is on for morning tea through that morning will not have to wash all the cups on her own. You'll be able to take one home and wash one just quietly yourself or put it in the dishwasher. Next Saturday morning... 8am to 2pm, come and enjoy a wonderful time of sharing, informing and being excited about what God is going to be doing in this place over the next numbers of years.
0: Now you know what I live with. (laughs) (laughs) Cheryl gets excited about going shopping. (laughs) Would you turn in your scriptures, please, to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4. I'm just going to read a few verses from verse 12 to verse 19. Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he returned to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum. If you look in the back of your Bibles, you may have some maps, and you can look at these places, uh, Galilee, Nazareth, Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way to the sea along the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And from that time on, Jesus Began to preach. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said and I will make you fishers of men. Today I'm beginning a punctuated series of messages. They will, be series that, they will be messages that will sort of be in between Pastor Glenn and Pastor Caroline and will go for a little while. It's a punctuated series focusing on some of the statements of the Lord Jesus as recorded in Matthew's Gospel. And in our reading this morning, there are two profound statements made by the Lord Jesus that are foundational to the very life and ministry of his church. Now, if you've got a red-letter Bible, they were highlighted for you. But if you do not have a red-letter Bible, did you hear the words of Jesus did you hear what Jesus said in verse 17 the Lord Jesus said this repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand and in verse 19 follow me and I will make you fishes of men The setting for these two statements was early in the public ministry of the Lord Jesus as he travelled through the northern province of Galilee to a town called Capernaum, which is by the Sea of Galilee. It also followed the imprisonment of John the Baptist. And we know sadly why he was imprisoned and what his fate was. In verse 17, what these words of Jesus revealed is that the primary focus of the ministry was not political, not economic, not social, nor environmental. And that immediately cuts out Jesus from running for state uh, politics in the election. Jesus' ministry was far more important than all these things. The Lord Jesus was not about establishing a new world order nor seeking to overthrow the existing authorities, the Romans, who forcibly occupied Israel. The Lord Jesus was about calling people's attention to who God is who God is and what God has already established. The invitation of the Lord Jesus was for all people to be renewed in a right relationship with God such that we may freely enter into God's presence and enjoy the fullness of a life of blessing in union with God. And let's face it, if people today were living in a right relationship with God, we would not have to have a, an election where one of the platforms was all about law and order. There would be no discussions about building bigger and better prisons. If all people's lives were focused on God and living in obedience to the will of God, those things would not be a part of any discussion because they wouldn't be needed. Now, while Jesus' agenda may seem a noble aspiration, throughout the centuries many have asked the question, How could it ever take place? How can the kingdom of God be present with us in a way that people's lives would be transformed to live for God? How can this ever take place? It seemed impossible. You know, one of those pie-in-the-sky stuff. Well, in the proclamations of the Lord Jesus, he clearly stated that any renewal of our relationship with God is dependent upon us. It's dependent upon us taking the deliberate and conscious action to reflect upon our life, our motivations, our choices, And our values acknowledge our true condition in relation to where we are and where God would have us be to express genuine sorrow in acknowledgement that we have fallen far short of who we should be in our relationship with God and with other people and to repent of all that we have allowed to separate us from a right relationship with God. That's where it starts. It starts with you and me really thinking about where our lives are in relationship to God. And this means that in the words of the Lord Jesus, he calls us to make a decision to genuinely confess our culpability as sinners, acknowledging both the sins of commission as well as the sins of omission. It means that we must acknowledge in our our disobedience and rebellion against God, in our self-focus and willful arrogance, that we have brought shame and condemnation upon ourselves. Just in the last couple of days, there's been a terrible incident in Melbourne. And I'm sure for all of those who who have been listening to your radios and watching your TVs and reading your newspapers, you have been shocked and horrified as much as I have been. There was a man, a poor, misguided man who thought that by going on a killing rampage that he was earning God's favour. The spirit of delusion that has gripped our society in so many ways. And in America, just recently, yet another mass shooting again, by a poor man who has been deluded. Where have we gone as a world, as a society, as a people, that we think these things are ever acceptable or tolerable or justifiable? We need to really think about who we are as a people. Once we come to this point of pure honesty in our lives, the promise of God is that he will do the rest to secure our eternal future with him, which is the true meaning of salvation. As such, true salvation is not something that we humanly deserve or can earn it is holy and solely the gift of god we do not earn god's merit or good favor by going and doing good works we do not earn god's merit or good favor by going and doing some act of killing People that we think might be infidels. True salvation is wholly and solely a gift of God. And if you want to look up Romans chapter six verse twenty-three or Ephesians chapter two verse thir- uh, verse eight, and there are others that will clearly tell you, and how any people who claim to be Christian can still argue that they have to do good works to earn God's good favour, they haven't read the Bible. They haven't done that important reflection that is so needed. In verse 17, the Lord Jesus clearly stated that heaven is not pie in the sky when we die but something that is possible in the here and now. Heaven is having a relationship where God is everything in your life. He's number one. And you start to see the world. You start to see other people through God's eyes and not through the eyes of the world. Heaven is not pie in the sky with 70 virgins or a big golf course or um, uh, what are all the other things that people talk about heaven as being? That great, sorry? The great mansion in the sky, the great pizza, if you love pizza. That's not heaven. Heaven is a perfect, beautiful relationship with God where you see the world as God wants you to see it, as he created it. Where you see people as people whom God has given the gift of life. The Lord Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And this is no more evident than in his very person. Because God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. God was in Jesus, allowing the world to see us as his creation. To see him as God present with us which is the whole meaning of the word Emmanuel, God with us. Brothers and sisters, make no mistake. This Lord Jesus is not merely a good man or a mighty prophet sent by God. As we read in Isaiah chapter 7, 7 verse 14, the coming of the Lord Jesus was prophesied 600 years before his birth. And we read in Luke chapter 1, verse 35, the angel of God declared to Mary that she would give birth to the Lord Jesus, that he would possess some of the authority of God. No? Tell me. All of the authority of God. Thank you very much. I was just checking to see if you were awake. The angel said, That this Jesus would possess the full authority of God. Not just part of it. The full authority of God. Which is the meaning of the title Son of God. Having the authority of God. That's what Son of God means. It's a title. It's a Jewish title of authority. It's got nothing to do with genetic hand down. It's got everything to do about divine authority. To be sure, the birth of the Lord Jesus was truly unique because He is unique. As we read in 2 Corinthians 5.19, God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. The work of Jesus was to reconcile you and me into a right relationship with God Almighty. That we might know God for who He really is and not as the world has constructed Him. In the person of the Lord Jesus, the fullness of Of the kingdom of God, the fullness of the kingdom of heaven is present. And if we need the call of, if we heed the call of the Lord Jesus and decide to get serious with God, then we need to take stock of our lives and, in an act of true repentance, turn from our old ways and our old attitudes and embrace all that God has for us in a good and in a right relationship with him. As the Lord Jesus travelled around the region of Galilee, this was his call to a new life of faith and reliance upon God. On one occasion, the Lord Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee. He made his call very personal to two brothers, who were not people of any importance or nobility. They were simply ordinary fishermen. They didn't have miles and miles of degree letters beside their names. They were just ordinary fishermen. They weren't people of high nobility with great wealth. They were just ordinary fishermen. Jesus called Ordinary people. These men were named Simon and Andrew and they were the sons of a man called Jonah. Not the Jonah that we read about who um, had an encounter with a great fish. That was a few hundred years before this event. Simon and Andrew came from the town called Bethsaida. Near the Sea of Galilee. And the Lord Jesus issued them a personal challenge that forever transformed their lives. In verse 19, the Lord Jesus simply said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, if they were carpenters, Jesus would have said, follow me and I will make you builders, not of houses, but of men. If they had have been plumbers, I wonder what he would have said. I, follow me and I will make you channels of men. If they were electricians, follow me and I will make you bright sparks for all people. I mean, you can have a bit of fun with that, can't you? But the thing is, Jesus took them from what they knew and was prepared to train them for what they did not yet know. It was, to be sure, an amazing invitation. And apart from the play on words that Jesus used, to describe the ministries of evangelism and discipleship in terms of fishing, the Lord Jesus issued the call for these two men to set aside all their worldly concerns and priorities and make God's priorities first in their lives. To make God's concerns first in their lives. And what this meant for them was that they were called upon to leave their normal employment as fishermen, to pack up their families, and to enter into a life of itinerant service with the Lord Jesus. Can you imagine the effect that that had on their superannuation? Can you imagine the impact that that would have had on their employment security? On their mortgage? I mean, this is a radical call that is asking them to set aside everything that they have known and held as normal and secure for life and to enter into something that was very uncertain, very unsure. You can almost hear Jonah and his wife saying to their sons, think carefully what you're going to do. What about the security of your wife and your children. What's going to happen to them? People never understood when Cheryl and I left our kids and went to China for seven years. Jim, you and Ruth, did you have parents sort of asking you guys to seriously consider the decisions that you were making when you went on on mission with MAF? They didn't? (laughs) They were all happy with it? Good on them, good on them. David and Errol, when you went over to Indonesia, um, did your parents have concerns about the decision you were making? Yes. Yeah. You guys? Yeah. And grandparents? (laughs) That's heavy. Yeah. (laughs) But the call of the Lord, the call of the Lord is an amazing invitation and cannot be ignored. And to be sure, the call of the Lord is never easy because it challenges each one of us to reconsider our own priorities in life and dare to step out of the ordinary everyday routines and responsibilities that define what it is to live as part of a community. We're faced with asking ourselves the question, what's more important? For example, in what order do we consider things like employment, education, income, housing, family, health, lifestyle, security. Worship of God, prayer, Bible study, practical service for God, caring for others, sharing our faith with others. As an exercise, when you go home and you're sitting this afternoon with a cup of coffee, Sit down, write some of these things down. Try and put them in an order of priority in your life. For some people, the choices may be obvious. For others, they may be a real challenge. And when the Lord Jesus issued his call, we don't know what Simon and Andrew already knew about Jesus and his teaching. What we do know is that when the invitation was issued to follow the Lord Jesus, they did not hesitate. Because in verse 20 we read, they immediately left their nets and followed him. They immediately left their nets. Wow. Was that impetuous? Or was that something that they had prepared in their hearts beforehand. Were these brothers being reckless and foolhardy? Had they fully evaluated their life priorities? Were they aware of the potential outcomes and consequences of their decision? Whatever the answers to these questions, Simon, Peter and Andrew made the bold decision to follow the Lord Jesus and become the people that God wanted them to be the spirit of God awakened in them the gift of faith that overcame any and all carnal objections brothers and sisters i ask you today how is your faith how is your faith to be sure the social and emotional pressures today for financial security and independence are huge. Which is why the ministry of the Lord in the church today can often struggle to galvanise people in sacrificial service. However, despite all these life pressures and challenges, the call of the Lord Jesus remains not just an invitation but an imperative. Follow me and I will make you what I want you to be. Yes, if we get serious with God and follow the Lord wholeheartedly, it's the Lord himself who will do a mighty work in our lives and transform us such that we will no longer be totally self-interested and self-focused, but useful to him and a blessing to others. God-interested and God-focused. Make no mistake, this is radical stuff. This is radical stuff. And this is the sort of stuff that ministers have been asked to leave churches. Thank you, Paul. Ministers have been asked to leave churches because they've been making the people so uncomfortable. You're meant to just preach the love of God. As if that's the panacea of everything. Yes, if we get serious with God and follow the Lord Jesus, God will do a mighty work in our lives the Lord has clearly told us that God is not distant and unknowable, but very close and personal, at hand. If we decide to make Him the highest priority in our lives, He will impact our lives in a way that is truly transformational. And as I reflect on my own life, I know what God has done in me and I thank Him every day for that. What was Simon and Andrew's response to the Lord? Well, they immediately left their nets and followed Him. These men did not hesitate to accept the Lord's invitation. What about you? What about you? In Luke 14, Jesus again outlined what it meant to be his follower, his disciple. And in verse 26, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate, actually, the Greek word is meseo, which means to love less. Okay, very different meaning to how we usually understand hate. We usually understand hate in terms of abhorring, being totally disgusted with. No, hate also has another meaning and that is to love less. It's asking you to set a priority. And Jesus was saying, if anyone comes to me and does not love less, his father and mother his wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. It's a call to make a decision, to set a priority. True discipleship means putting God first above all else in life and this is the depth of what it means to truly follow the Lord. In verse 27, he then went on to say, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You've got to be prepared to take on the hardships, the difficulties, the challenges, the opportunities. Make no mistake, the Christian life is not always easy. For the sake of the Lord Jesus, we may face ridicule, discrimination, and even severe persecution, even occasioning death, as many have. But through all this, God has promised to never leave us or desert us. Also in verse 33, the Lord Jesus said, So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Setting priorities. It's a challenge to our value structure. The Christian walk as a disciple of the Lord Jesus is all about reordering our life priorities and expectations. A few minutes ago, I asked the question, what about you? What about you? Today, are you content to merely enjoy the ongoing benefits and fellowship of being part of a church, to learn and grow as a person with good moral standards and values, that is, to be a good person? Or is it time to now step forward and get serious with God. Now, I'm not saying you all have to go over to Niger or Niger. Niger. I'm not saying you all have to go over to other countries. But are you prepared to get serious with God to put God as the highest priority and get involved in His ministry here or wherever else he may call you. And just a, just a personal word of caution. Do not say to the Lord, Lord, I'll go anywhere you want, but please don't send me to the Antarctic. <laughs> you say that to God, with a smile on his face, guess where he's going to send you? I hate the cold. I said to God, please, I'll follow you anywhere, but not to the Antarctic. So he sent me to China in Xi'an, where in winter it gets down to minus 10. Ah! No, as as nah, well. What's the difference between minus 10 and minus 50? It's cold. <laughs> the Lord Jesus wants you to take him seriously and make your life count for Him. It's as simple as that. And in Matthew chapter 4, verses 9, 17 and 19, He's calling you, calling to you to take the next scary step. He's calling on you to be a voice for Him in a world in which there is still so much darkness, so much hatred, so much corruption, violence, deceit, and mistrust. We're being called to go out and to live and work in this kind of environment. He's calling you to join him in the great work of making known the blessings that God is wanting to pour out upon all people, men, women, and children. And as we read in Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30, the Lord Jesus said these words, Come to me, all you who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Take my call. Take my ministry upon you. Learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Brothers and sisters, the invitation of the Lord Jesus is true and sure. Will you come He's calling you. Will you come? Will you say, Lord Jesus, here I am. Use me, send me as you will. And then you let him do the rest. To God be the glory. Amen. Let's pray.